This is Creatoring. I'm Zach. I'm Daniel. And this is a podcast, I think. This is a podcast, right? It's, I'm pretty sure it's a podcast by the definition. It feels like a podcast. Every two weeks, we're going to release a show where we talk about design and illustration issues with way less thought oh, and no. research if, if than you, they deserve. If you're looking to hear two like white dude intellectual types, which seem to make up most podcasts, I'm not knocking them. Plenty of good design podcasts out there. Um, but but we're we're gonna be a little rough around the edges. Um, there's going to be some, some tomfoolery, if you will. I've um, been called a lot of things in my life and intellectual is not one of them. Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more uh, with myself. That's like so low on the rung of adjectives to describe me. Um, you know what? Sometimes we'll have guests. Yeah. They can Sometimes just be we intellectual. Won't. We, we are getting the best. We are getting the best. We're uh, also going to ask each other question. Yeah. Plenty of them, um, whether related or not related to design, it doesn't really matter. We'll probably talk about Power Rangers, movies, heavy metal bands, the, a lot. The Undead, uh, a lot of that paranormal activity, not the movie that sucked, but actual paranormal activity. Um, and, you know, things, fun things. Fun things, weird things, sad things? No. Not not sad things. Well, probably depressing things. Um, sure. I'm for just, some people. Right. Our f- very fire intro track uh, is by the multi-talented virtuoso uh, Vincent Parham. Uh, really, really good stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't know if you can find it anywhere, but yeah, he's got a, he's got a SoundCloud. Um, yeah. So you know, just. Vincent Parham, P-A-R-H-A-M. Um, that'll get you where you need to be. Hey, Daniel. Hey, Zach. What's your creative process like? Uh, well, I usually bang my head against the monitor um, several yeah. hundred times until beads of blood start to form um, on my scalp and drip down. And then I look up and design is made. So that's... That's pretty much the gist of it. That's my secret sauce. The secret sauce is forehead blood. Uh, that'll. What's the hex code for that? Was it FF0000? FF0666. That's it. That's it. It's the only. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's the devil's color. Devil and um, pretty tight. I don't. What inspires your current style? The devil? The devil and lack thereof. So you can <laughs> interpret that however however you please. And I don't even know. I'm going through this funk right now where it's like trying to figure out a new style and everything I do just feels wrong and weird and clumsy, but maybe it should, you know? Art's not supposed to be easy. Um, not supposed to be easy at all. I think a lot of people out there, all the uh, all the copycat designers, people who just emulate what they see, it's cool on Dribble or Instagram, and they never really use their voice to do anything. They're like cover bands. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like yeah. if if you're a designer, like do you want to be do you want to be a cover band 
or do you want to be like a garage band? Do you want to be Tiny Kiss or do you want to be the Foo Fighters? Yeah, and I think, you know, if you if you pose things that way, then, then the answer There's is... There's merits to both. True, true. Being a cover band, I mean, at least people recognize what you're doing. You might get more jobs. It's easier to get into. All you have to do is learn a, four, a few chords or whatever. Perform at some coffee shops. Um, you know, making your own original stuff is... That's scary because you never really know if you're doing anything right. But what is right, anyways? It's just what other people say is right. Is it like the reaction that you get from the creative industry as a whole? Who knows? Because that changes all the time. It does. So I'm kind of I'm kind of pissed off to hear you say that you're in a creative rut that you're trying to hit between styles because it doesn't look like you're in between styles. Yeah. It looked like you went from this from the from where you were to where you're at now and it just seems so seamless how did you do that you don't I mean like was it voodoo is it drugs is it it's sacri- what is it well there's a there's a there's a percentage of each um i i'm just going to throw an estimate out estimate out here and say 35 percent voodoo basically i have um another computer mouse another magic mouse that i put under my pillow and magic mouse starring channing tatum starting channing tatum uh matthew mcconaughey of course and and I'll write things on it with like an expo marker, um, like be better tomorrow or suck a little bit less. And I put that under my pillow and like put some feathers on it because all voodoo um, involves feathers. Mm-hmm. Um, 15% peyote. That brings us up to 50%. Um, oh, there's also the um, candlelight um, ceremony that has to happen um, the day before every full moon. Um, so you can't really assign a percentage to that. It's just, you know, it's a binary, like you do it or you don't. Yeah. Um, and you know, the rest of the 50% is just, you know, gnawing on my fingers and pulling my hair until something comes out that looks kind of cool. So that's the secret, the other secret sauce, forehead, blood, finger chewing. Yep. 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 And peyote. Yeah, so it really just comes down to uh, how much you're willing to physical, like how much physical pain you're willing to endure, I think. And if somebody has an easier recipe out there, please let me know because I'm losing hair very quickly and I only have one knuckle left. It's just a, it's a painful, painful process. Hey, Daniel. Yes, Zach? Are there any other kind of design or illustration styles that you would like to try? You know, I there are two specifically. I'm really waiting for like the cave painting style to come back in, like like Lascaux caves of Lascaux type painting. Mm-hmm. You know, you see all these this emphasis on artisanal this and artisanal that and single origin handcrafted whatever in today's millennial marketplace that why can't that apply to design why can't we have these very tribal tribal cave painting these very gritty drawings um i want that and also um black light activated illustration and websites i think that if modern technology can provide a vehicle for sociopaths to get online and tweet everything that comes to mind, then we can also figure out how to make websites blacklight reactive. Just saying. 
if we can keep spacejam.com online for the last 20 something years, there's no reason we couldn't do that too. Right. Did you know spacejam.com was still up? I visit it daily. Um, I visit it daily. It's, it's going to be like walking outside one day and the sun's gone. Uh, if, if that ever goes away and you know, we like the sun, just like we like our OG space jam website. <laughs> so how are you, Daniel? Generally good. Generally good. I think, uh, no complaints, no complaints. Um, you know, how, how are you is the more important question. How was I'm that doing, doing better? Yeah. I'm doing better since we got back from New Orleans. Baton Rouge. <laughs> right. Oh, so tired. I don't think I slept but like four hours during all of crop. That's good. That's crazy. That's good though. That just means you're having a good time, right? I guess. I mean I remember some of it. You did a good job speaking. That was uh that was fun. I'm gonna be honest with you though. Now that that's over, it's like yeah. Never again. Not necessarily never again. I would like to do it again, but it took so much prep and took so much mental wherewithal to be able to like prep myself for that. And I basically been thinking about it for the past year. You know, it was kind of like planning a wedding. I don't know what that's like uh, yet, but it's like this big event that you you know prepare for and you make things for and you practice and you rehearse and you just do all the stuff for it, and then it happens. Yeah. And then it's like this huge sigh of relief that you don't have to do any of that anymore. Um, so I feel like I can smell colors now. Uh, <laughs> I can, I can see in dimensions that I really didn't know existed. You developed synesthesia from speaking at crop. Basically is what I'm trying to say. Maybe I can talk next year. I've always wanted to be able to see time. It's it's cool at first, but then it's distracting when you're trying to sleep. Oh, uh, yeah. We should do a, a live podcast at Crop next year. You think Matt would let us do it? Oh, absolutely not, but we would do it without his permission. <laughs> well, first we have to see how this one goes. Um, do you remember when we interviewed the Hood Sisters like 10 minutes ago? I do. It was still 16 minutes ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, those were some times. It was good. Good to talk style. Um, we you talked know, about style. Whether we to talk about Brian Manley, talk about heavy metal bands and homeless people. And we talk about a, um, a soft drink company that we won't name. <laughs> that shall not be named. That shall be bleeped out. You know who you yes. are. I, I think we got some pretty insightful stuff out of the uh, out of the Hood Sisters. Very um, very smart ladies. Very good at what they do. Lots of lots of stories from those those two. I hope we didn't cramp their style though. That's true. Like coming on here, we'll probably have a few negative ramifications on their career going forward but i think they'll pull through it they'll take that bandana money and just keep going oh yeah they'll they'll have it way better maybe we can get a sponsor out of this maybe oz and Sally sponsor us <laughs> right i'll i'll whip up the email this up 
Is that really the name of the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Welcome to Creatoring, Jen and Amy Hood. Hey, thanks for Hutzpah. having us. Uh, hi. Hey. This is uh, episode one. We're going to be discussing style. Oh, no. Oh, good. That's style. bad. To cramp or not to cramp? That is to, the question. To cramp? Are we talking about crimping hair? No, could. crump. <laughs> Everyone Marmalade keeps asking blue. me if I have cramped hair. Do you? I could. That's all natural, really. baby. That, that curl you got going, that's all natural, huh? I was born with a jerry curl. Not even fair. <sighs> Truly blessed. Truly. Marmalade Blue tro- told me that I'm extra, which I think means that I'm style over substance. So this is a great topic than, for me. <laughs> that's better than being bougie, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Like you're bougie, bourgeois. we use that. Yeah, we use like, that a lot in Orange like County. And famous and awesome. Or just pretend to live that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Or, you or just, just live on credit. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's me. It's so millennials. Extra bougie. Millennials in general. But Daniel, I think that's everybody in New York and California. So I think we're okay. <laughs> Anybody that like puts their fist down at a McDonald's requesting almond milk, like that, <laughs> that is bougie. That is such a weird mixing of worlds. People who that like almond milk going to McDonald's, no. <laughs> right? Right. Usually just. Super drunk. There was. I went to a Froyo place the other day, and someone was asking for Froyo made with almond milk. And what? I felt for the. I don't know what you call like the the person who works at the Froyo place. A, An artist, like a yogurista. <laughs> Yogurt artist, like Yogurt a Subway artist. sandwich artist. <laughs> right. She was <laughs> very confused. I, I felt bad for. Her. I was not going to swoop in to save. Gosh, that's so Brooklyn. God, this place is so early. <laughs> so, I didn't, so like why did you move to brooklyn when did that happen uh december so we did the super sane move of moving to new york in winter um <laughs> it wasn't originally supposed to be that way but i moved up here to take a job at a company called nooklin which is oh, cool. like it's like an apartment finding roommate finding neighborhood discovery app in new york and san francisco tinder for architectural so, spaces Pretty Ooh, much. I yeah. like that tagline. Uh, I'm writing that down. I'm scribbling furiously now. <laughs> We've been looking for a tagline. <laughs> this is how you start the partner track, Daniel. You just need one good idea. That's all. That's all we need. We've got a shortage right now. Um, yeah, those taglines. Those taglines. Stuff. Stuff. Um, so that's what he's doing in New yeah. York. What are you guys doing out in California? What are we not doing? It's like we have that problem of saying no. We're like, we could do that. And then we just get in way over our heads. But it's fun. It's fun doing what we do. But yeah, I feel like, I don't know, we're doing a lot of branding projects right now. And then just a ton of other things, just trying to figure out like some diversification of what we do, you know, so that it's just not us working for every hour and every dollar. That's the dream, right? Yeah, as long as you get sleep, okay? Oh, I know. You need to get that stuff. You need to get that stuff. No, it sounds... I mean, at least you're doing branding projects. I feel like that's the most interesting type of work to do. You know? is, yeah, to me, 100%. Yeah, you're like setting the tone for a company. It's it's also like the hardest, I guess, in my opinion. Um, it totally is. But it's also like... it's. It's only for people who have really big egos who kind of have that, like, <laughs> I will create something from nothing. 
So I feel like we're, I don't know. I feel like it's good for us. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are uh, you guys are killing it, as the as the kids are saying. Um, absolutely are. Like I was looking at some of your recent stuff today, and it's just like on the subject of style, like you can tell everything comes from you know chutzpah design, but everything's so varied. Like you have like these um, Facebook stickers to those wine bottle things that you guys did that are very much like isometric and I don't know. It's like the breadth of the style is it's impressive. That's all I'm trying to say. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think a lot of times people will come to us and say, just do you, which is easy. And that feels good. Um, The only thing we worry about is what happens if us ever goes out of style, you know, it's like, and we, we always feel like we're doing different things, but I think no matter what, at the end of the day, you are who you are and you, you kind of end up putting your, your fingerprint, your unique, you know, imprint on things. So where you're at right now with that specific fingerprint, that specific look, what or who kind of inspires them? And how many drugs kind of go into that? <laughs> if is a drug, then most, I'd say 90% of it is It is in Georgia. Oh, is man. it? What? According to what? Did I they heard, just do some health laws about that or something? Well, no, because you guys are right by the plant. Yeah. yeah, don't you don't want to breathe in those fumes. Yeah, you know how Atlanta has the biggest human trafficking problem in... The, no, I don't US. know. <laughs> yeah, so there are actually signs all over the airport, the um, Atlanta airport. What is it, Hartsfield Jackson, saying something about like, you know, if you see human trafficking or see somebody that looks like they're guilty of it, say something. Um, but that's all. Just- that sounds like that sounds like a um, something that should have been alerted for the the presidency recently. Like, you know, everybody was worried about Melania. <laughs> there are larger issues here uh it's really just um getting kids to work for their uh evil corporation and oh my gosh that's terrible that's awful but here's a question does taste good oh my gosh it's delicious and it's not a problem oh my gosh no this is not good logic I don't want to be attached to this. This is logic. I feel oh like someone's going to tweet at us after this goes live, and we're just going to be ruined. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll take the the evil stick here. I'll be that guy. It's fine. Dang, that's crazy. Do you have proof? Or are you just hurling these accusations? <laughs> I don't have hard proof. Uh, you know, since I'm not in Atlanta anymore, I'm off the case. Um, <laughs> Which is good, which is good. I was like one of those conspiracy theorists that would just talk to anybody willing to listen uh, about my theories. So that's the real reason I moved up to New York. Dude, there's more. You needed more things to complain about. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But you know, since this is like the first episode of this podcast and it's kind of like coming into its personality, you don't know what it's going to be like, we should also make this an investigative podcast. You know, mm. like oh, yeah. try to solve something or I don't know, different theory every week. I don't know. There could be something here. I kind of like that. We'll have like theory minute where in one yes. minute we try to, yeah, like solve this problem and put forth all of our evidence. Well, how and if we-, we could not get sued while we do that. No, you know what you should do is debunk uh, conference slides. So like, <laughs> <laughs> you know how conference slides are like, just work hard and hustle and you'll be a millionaire let's <laughs> let's debunk those that would be amazing if we can just figure out what hustle means um 
I think will be pretty good. I feel like Ooh, you should guys. end. Yeah. End yeah. every podcast asking what hustle means. <laughs> to, what does to the hustle guest. mean to you guys? What does hustle mean to you guys? To me, what I think people are trying to say and also how, what I take away from it is um, like, this is what I tell my students anyway, is stop waiting around for the perfect opportunity, right? Just take either take opportunities that are given to you and learn what you can and grow from that and learn what to do and what not to do or make your own opportunities, like create a project that you want to do or, or, you know, learn, create learn your own skill. soda based on cocaine. DIY is so big right now or DIY to DIY. That's funny. Um, yeah. DIY your own life, you know, like freaking make it happen. <laughs> I, I much prefer that definition. I like that. I like that. Every time I hear hustle, like from some people, it's like, no, just, you know, work until you're on the brink of death. Like, <laughs> right? more so just like working as much as you can just for the sake of working. But I know those I, good old Southern values. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, hustle for me means to put down a box of cereal and like get up to answer an email. <laughs> That's my definition of hustle. Ah, I like that. I like yeah. anecdotal definitions. They stick it's, with you yeah. longer. Right? Yes. <laughs> just remember the cereal. <laughs> No, but I, I think that hustle mentality. In fetal position when right. It's just yeah. remembering the coach yelling at you or. Did you play football or something? Having to make a cold call. No, I just, you know, just terrible gym student. Ah, uh, gym coach. Yeah. <laughs> I hope she's doing okay. I haven't talked to her in a while. It's really because fun run. as Americans, we are intrinsically, generally lazy people. But this hustle mentality got brought back in these uh startup circles where they trade you everything you could ever want in a job package in exchange for your life <laughs> and you're yeah, expected. It's just like the old like mining towns yeah. where you had to buy everything from the mining store and oh, you just had yeah. credit so you could never leave you were an indentured servant but you had access to everything and it's the same thing at like facebook or google you have these amazing facilities and you don't have to leave and that encourages you to feel this loyalty and responsibility to you know, put in probably more than is healthy. Um, but then again, all you need is two years of that on your resume and you can work anywhere. So put it in and, and you know, get what you can out of it and then leave. <laughs> is that what the ping pong tables are for? So you never leave? Yes, it's exactly. all part of, it's like those mega churches that have skate ramps, you know? It's all just to lure you in Whoa. so they can indoctrinate you. <laughs> A limited vacation that you'll never take. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think the, it's all like that. No, I know, I'm just messing. A, a lot of it is, though. Like, in my experience, a lot of it is, it's like that. I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but I worked for a company that was very much, I don't think there were people that ever left the office, ever. Wow. Uh, because everything was there that they needed. Everything at all. Um, I know, yeah. And especially like when they start putting sleep pods in, that's when it gets a bit much. <laughs> They're like, here's your Prozac. Welcome to Facebook. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should say that we recently worked with Facebook and it was a great experience. It was. I take that back. I like no, but you know what? Everyone's like, Oh, I want to work for Facebook. I want to work for this and that. But you can do that if you're if you're a sought after freelancer and you make a name for yourself. You can do it in the best sense possible, which is on your own terms as a subcontractor <laughs> or a contractor rather. Mm. Yes, See, this is how it's done. That's that's true. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I've been seeing like all these uh like awesome designers and illustrators that I really like look up to, like doing these really cool stickers for Facebook and doing like um what is it? Like user guide illustrations. Like they don't work for Facebook, but they work 
with like, Facebook. Tim, with yeah. Facebook. Right, yeah. Right. Um, that's the best case scenario, if you ask me. You know, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not working in the building, but you're still doing the work for them. We had this conversation with Brian Levin and uh, Bryn Jackson. And they actually, I have always thought like I would never work for a company like that. Like it, you know, I would just end up working my life away because just like you said, like they give you everything so that you just kind of stay there and you feel a bit, I don't know, like you're, you're owed to them. Um, but they were saying, and, and I think that part of the benefit would be just getting to work with like the best minds in the business, right? Like if you're, if you're working with like, um, I don't know, Julie Zoe or any and of those Jeff people. Like, yeah, you're Jeff embedded Tehan. with them day yeah. after day. There's got to be value to that. And oh, definitely there's probably we're missing so out. much value. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's sides to each coin for sure. Right. But who's designing those coins? <laughs> <laughs> and is it a rigged coin? It's just like both sides are heads, you know? Yeah. <laughs> is that how you guys have decided like your current style? You just flip a two-sided coin and just went with that? <laughs> I wish. I wish it was that easy. I don't know. I keep like trying I, to change my look and it. it's like it's a like two-headed coin, like you said, and it just keeps coming out the same. It does. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can do that style. And then sometimes it works out, but then sometimes you realize like it's a lot harder to, I don't know, mimic than it is to just kind of like do what comes natural. I mean, and I imagine it's like Michael Bay. He's like, you know what? I think I'm going to do a toned down, independent drama. <laughs> And it all just ends up being like Transformers 4. <laughs> there's an asteroid, there's explosions, there's planes falling out of the sky, and Emma Stone is still falling in love with someone in the background. <laughs> wow, he got um, Emma Stone? That's amazing. It's huge. That was where all the budget went. The rest of it's just stuff he used from his other movies all over again. Question, so, did you guys yes. love or hate La La Land? It seems like a very divisive topic. Answer, I did not see it. Same. <laughs> I have not seen it. I go to like one movie a year. and it's I saw Moana like 20 times. Wait, wait Moana, what did you see 20, 20 times? times? Moana. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I, I got that song stuck in my head for like five days. Mm. So good. So there are only two people cooler than you guys in the entire design world, and that's Jason Craig and John Cantino. So congratulations on being third and fourth place. I'll let you fight about who's which. Dude, Jason Wait, Craig just is farted and seriously is the coolest. Mike. Did you guys hear that? <laughs> so I thought it was made a funny sound. It was not me. I have my finger on my nose. It was not me. <laughs> okay. No, but Jason Craig and John Contino, hands down, coolest people in the world. Wait, have um, you guys actually met John Contino? No. I have not, no. Never, ever. He doesn't do much speaking, does he? He's just like famous and he's just like, I don't even need he to. He do doesn't that. need to, Amy. No, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm just saying it's amazing. I just have never heard his voice or like his personality, I'm realizing. He just did a commercial for somebody who is. Did he? I don't know. Is it eBay or Microsoft or somebody? Sharpie. Like that? Sharpie. Should have been Sharpie or like Micron. <sighs> Should have set that up for life, man. Yeah, so I style. What do you guys think about style? <laughs> you know, great. I'm I'm kind of going through like an identity crisis right now. Um, as far as style is concerned, like trying to figure well, we got deep things out. Well, uh, let's not get too deep. But <laughs> so you guys have your own agency, meaning you work for clients from different backgrounds. Some some established. Some trying to start themselves up. Some in like the 
um, like the middle of their trajectory. So you can kind of like come in at any level of a company and like, you know, do some work. For me, I've always been like an in-house designer uh, for companies, which means you kind of have to stick to a style, uh, having brand consistency and whatnot. Uh, So I think that they're like, I, I think there are two different ways to approach it. Like you can be comfortable in switching from style to style and maybe you're a freelancer or an agency, but then some people who it's harder to jump outside of that, typically in-house designers. Um, so question, uh, what is your biggest challenge with maintaining a style? Gosh. I mean, luckily we do a lot of our work is setting it and where someone has none. So that does feel good. And there's a little bit more freedom there, but I'm almost more fearful of the blank page, you know, when there is nothing there. I think the hardest thing is people are very clear on what they don't like. The harder thing is to um, try and bring into scope what they do like. And it's super annoying, but sometimes it is a true axiom that they don't know until they see it, you know? And um, I think there is a level of like, uh, mercy or just um, uh, negotiation that you have to be fine with and you have to be happy with and you have to enjoy that with a client. Um, I don't really understand how people can do this. Like here's one, one proof and that's the final and that's all you get by, you know, like there's no collaboration. There's no refinement. There's no like, you know, uh, working together. And I don't understand how you can get to the perfect answer that way. Um, so it, it just does take a lot of, of, um, discovery and negotiation between you and the client you're working with. Yeah. I want to like ask Weir Stewart because I think they do the one and done thing. I think they just give the client the logo, which means they probably are doing so much legwork. Yeah. Internally. And really like there, to me, there's like a million right answers to any design problem. I don't Mm -hmm. think there's ever just one answer, Yeah, but that's why I think it's so important to include the client because it might be the right answer for you, but without like them being involved a little bit more in the stages of the process, it might not be perceived by them to be the right answer for them unless you kind of help them get there. Um, but with a lot of these agencies where they do present one option, I know that they do go through a huge presentation to prove um, through extensive case studies that it's like it will apply well. It will you know, appeal to their demographic. And they're probably making such a good case that um, the client really can't say you're wrong, you know, um, because at that point, emotion is taken out of it. And it's it's pretty analytical. But and at that point, it almost seems easier to get out of the rut when you have the whole cabinet console, you know, the client to talk to, what do you guys do when you get in that creative rut with your custom stuff with odds and sods or oh man, the hip hop portraits? You know, what do you do when you get stuck in that rut? You don't have anybody to go talk to except each other. The Jack Daniels bottle. I don't know. <laughs> the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> Coors banquet beer. Yeah. That's my best friend. No, it is. It's tough. Especially like you said, I think it's hardest when you're working on your own projects Because like you said, there's really no one to talk to. And sure, Jen and I can bounce ideas off each other, but we're both super maxed out right now. As much as we keep trying to take on less work and like, you know, raise our prices. So we're finally making as much as we should. Like we're still just maxed out. So we don't have time to not be productive or to like get in a design rut. But you do. I think we normally like we like to try and take breaks like Palm Springs is like two hours from us. So even just doing things like that, getting a new perspective and just being surrounded by different, I don't know, sensory, sensory yeah. yeah, inspirations. Yeah. 
Yeah, that seems to help. And then if you're really taking less work, you're doing a lot of short films. (laughs) That was for fun. That was my friend. He was like, let's make something. And I'm like, yeah, if you want to do it, cool. And I just wrote a script in like an hour. And luckily, there's like no dialogue. And then he, we filmed it in a day and our friend edited it. It was just kind of like a, a day of doing something fun. And actually, I would say that that's a way that I often get out of a rut is, you know, like stepping away from the computer, doing something else creative that you feel like you can get a win in, you know, and just reminding yourself that you you know what you're doing. And sometimes that doing it in a new medium is, is just kind of gets your syntaxes firing in a different way. Right. Yeah. I could not agree more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like, even if it's cooking, even if it's sculpting, just something that you have no familiarity with, if you can get outside of an artboard and actually apply design skills or design fundamentals to something else that's not, you know, a 2D design, it's very refreshing. It is. And you're just thinking about like the main principles, right? Like the things that have been true forever, which is storytelling and composition and, you know, just trying to connect with your audience, whoever that is. And yeah, exactly. If you're doing that in a different way, even if it's just cooking, right? You're cooking for yourself. You're the audience. Like, what do you like? How do you compose that to meet an end result? You know? Besides, right, yeah. <laughs> Besides that, I think like your best asset if you have creative block is time. But And that's the thing that we have so little of. But if you can plan your projects out and not wait till the last minute and you have that extra buffer to just like step away from it and give it a day and then look at it again. It's amazing how much you see, you know, between the lines that you didn't see when you were just, you know, with your head buried in it. And Daniel, you and your wife, girlfriend, fiance. (laughs) Wife elect, wife elect. (laughs) Wife elect. Uh, Yes. (laughs) You guys are making that awesome, like podcast vlog thing. So that's gotta be like a really nice creative outlet, right? It's not really only yours. She's helping it's kind of like on her at the end of the day. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's so she and I and um, two of her friends who they're a married couple. Um, they're very big into film and producing film and working on, you know, whatever kind of video projects they can. And Morgan is an actor as well. So they got together and like basically created this, this idea of sort of a demented kid show. Uh, it's like a mix between Bill Nye and Tim and Eric, which not for kids at all, but it's presented that way. Anyways, it's my one kids of, love it. Yeah, I can't believe you let your kids watch that. That's uh, a, a <laughs> lot of conversation in my house. <laughs> you let them watch that. There's blood magic in that show. That's not what my wife sounds like, by the way. I'm sorry, Beth. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things like. I had no experience with it at all, so I just kind of came on as building props and doing set that kind of stuff, but I found so much satisfaction in doing it. That kind of stuff is so fun. Yeah, yeah, and like you were saying earlier, you know, you can apply those design principles and like think about storytelling and think about like, you know, how do I create rhythm and, you know, focus in this shot? Like, what do I do with color repetition and you know, it's it's kind of a nice way to sort of test out your design abilities uh, when you get outside of that that medium that you're usually in. Right. Well, and it's like we 
every actor that we laud as like the great actors of our time or actress has a really embarrassing side project that we're all like, ha ha, you're a terrible singer. But it's like, it obviously adds something to their other art form that we don't understand, but we're reaping the benefits from. <laughs> I'd like to know one legit actor that's also singing. All I can think of is Kevin Costner, <laughs> Hillary Duff, Kevin Bacon, Haley oh, Steinfeld. <laughs> Oh okay, Kevin Bacon. He, I think he's an Academy um, Award nominee. Evan Rachel Wood, hello, has her own band, and she's amazing. Oh, Westworld. She? Yeah. Oh, and Julianne and the Licks, or wait, what's her name? Anyway, love her. Jared Leto. Jared <laughs> Can we call that singing? I don't know. If uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys, I have a confession. I like 30 Seconds to Mars. <laughs> oh, man. Hate me. Please oh, hate man. me. I hate myself. <laughs> No, I won't hold okay. that against you. I have some. There was a Thanks, Papa Roach Daniel. song that came on. No problem. It's Papa Dude, Roach song been... that came on, and I, I started singing. You know, I'm not gonna lie. Okay, they've been Dude, bringing that so one back. Catchy. They yeah. keep bringing it back. Like every five years, it makes a comeback, and I'm not mad. I'm like, it's a, it's a little time <laughs> capsule to middle school and high school for me, and I'm glad to go there. Is it the, the one glorifying self harm? <laughs> What's that? Is it the one that's? Uh, it's the one like cut my, my yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the one. Yeah. This is my, oh my last gosh. resort. So much truth in that song. You oh my know? gosh, it's Man. so sad. So you know, this is the first episode of Creatoring, and we were trying to think of different names for it. My last resort was one of my first title <laughs> suggestions for the show. Full circle. I wish you could see Perfect me show circle. you the door. That's another good. Perfect thing. circle. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's just evolving into stream of consciousness. Podcast. I'm just trying to make Brian Manley happy. I've got to list like six different metal bands each episode, or he said he wouldn't listen anymore. So, <laughs> how many have we said so far? I think we've only said. Just, I mean, I don't even know if a perfect circle counts, does it? He likes them. I don't know if they're. Metal I like band. them. Yeah, Papa Roach definitely doesn't qualify. No, that doesn't count. Nor does. I don't Oscar. think anything Nor in does metal. Yeah. <laughs> Mastodon. There, I said one. That's another one. We aren't okay. Well, now that I know we have a quota, I'm gonna I'm gonna start working on it. Right. <laughs> Four more. Four more metal bands. We can do this. Uh, Brian Manley said he would hit me. I'm. I wouldn't be opposed to that though. Just randomly naming four metal bands or watching Brian Manley punch w- me in the face. Watching Brian Manley punch you in the face. You guys, who's Brian Manley? Am I just totally out of the loop? Uh, he's a designer in Atlanta. He's probably done your favorite band. The designer. I like how work. he's the designer in Atlanta. Yes, <laughs> there were only two. <laughs> and Daniel left. <laughs> Dang it, Daniel. Yeah. I've got to look up Brian. I just missed a else. damn Daniel opportunity. Man, uh. if I go like each week that I can go without a damn Daniel reference. I'm like, yes, I figured. That's why I held back. <laughs> Just keep them coming. Keep. I've gone. No, actually, there was one last week, so I've only been I've been zero weeks clean. It's like that Simpsons clock. It's like three days since an incident. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, So style. Style. So So back to what we're supposed to be talking about. Right. Style. Um, (laughs) So, okay. We've got a couple questions here. Um, I'll read one from Kevin Abeda. Do it. Um, a teacher in Texas, super cool dude. Find him on Twitter. Um, how do creatives today mine the past retro design kind of stuff for inspiration without becoming redundant and yet create something new in the process? I think you guys are pretty good at that. How do you do that? 
Oh man, that's a really good question. Also, I love that you guys are getting audience questions. Very cool. Um, I think everybody minds the past. I mean, we're a big collection of memories and sensory input and whether or not you're you're like consciously acknowledging that you're using that everyone does, you know, that's just how we create is through influence. I think, um, I, I mean, it's probably very rare that someone's able to just go into a complete vacuum and make something amazing. Um, but, um, I, Amy and I don't like actively like try and copy or mimic. I think more, we just like are very aware of things that we like and we, we collect image assets and image resources like anyone does on Pinterest and that kind of thing. And we create mood boards with a client and figure out what they like, but then, um, we don't look at it again. Once we kind of have a general idea in our head of what everybody wants and likes, then it's up to us to, to go to, to pen and paper and create something new, you know? Um, and with that, and keeping those references away from direct image site, you know, when you are working on things, I think is important so that you do get something that's completely new. And it's only just kind of like a faint melody of a memory that you're remembering instead of something that you're mimicking directly. Yeah. yeah. I think I often, I'll find inspiration. And more recently, I've been trying to like quantify what I like about something. So if I like an image, I'm like, oh, I really like how the tail of that letter is or like the ticks on the on the serif, you know, and I try to quantify it like that and then put it away from my mind kind of a thing so that I'm not just looking at the overall image and just like it's a lot more likely you're going to like just completely rip something essentially, you know, and um, I don't know it. I think as you kind of design for longer, you it's more innately in you what your style is and what works and kind of how to create things. So I think that's why it's a, a lot more frequent that younger designers are the ones that just completely rip stuff off. Also, they're just dumb and no one told them not to do that. Why is no Very one true. teaching copyright it's in crazy. school? It makes no sense. Yeah. Did you hear that, Kevin? <laughs> Teach copyright to those elementary school kids. Kevin, please. Start You're young. molding the minds of the future. Do us this solid. I remember moments in school when we were given plenty of assignments, uh, one in particular where we were supposed to take a designer that we looked up to, that we really um, enjoyed, and take one of their pieces of design and then just redo it, just like reinterpret it. And at the time, I'm like, oh, this sounds cool. And I ended up doing like um, Stefan Sagmeister, you know, the the poster where he's like naked and he's all cut up? yeah. For whatever reason, I thought it would be a good idea if I did that one. Um, so I like took a picture of myself and you know did all this stuff. I just wrote in marker. But after doing the project, I'm like, what did I actually learn about doing this? Like, well, you learned how to make an autobiographical porn piece. <laughs> that's true. So, so let's not underestimate that. Yeah, I was. I, I I terrified most of my classmates because they weren't even familiar with that piece, which was successful, I think. <laughs> But, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, other than that. That's the best type of uh, copyright infringement, the kind that no one knows about. <laughs> it's, out of, it's so out of context. They're just like, what? So right. funny. I'll just claim this one for myself then. Uh, I think like one of the best ways, though, to sort of develop your own style, and I've been thinking a lot about this uh, lately because it's something that's kind of grinding um, at my nerves, but if – I mean, you were saying earlier how you like look at a few pieces of inspiration, inspirational imagery, and then kind of go from there, like taking things, whether it's a piece of a letter form or maybe like uh, some shadows or something in illustration. But if you start something and finish it without looking at, you know, Instagram or Pinterest or Dribble, as hard as that is, and it's a damn near impossible uh, nowadays, but if you can like 
do something just from your mind, just from your hands. I think that's where real magic comes from, but it's having the discipline of being able to do that, which I think most people lack. Uh, and I think it's included. also something that it just, it's something that you have to work towards because like, if you think of the masters, like, you know, Leonardo or any of them, they were studying the human form and anatomy for years and just sketching, sketching, sketching from life. And then once they had all of that understanding under their belts, that's when they're able to think things up on their own and just draw from memory because they know how the body works, you know? So yeah, I think... And- Improvisational jazz musicians are like Mm -hmm. a great example, which is like you were saying, Amy, they, they've been taught so much of the technique and so much of these core basics that then they're able to experiment and get weird. But if you try and do it the reverse, sometimes you you just get so frustrated. (laughs) Right. So I think for young artists, it is important to like study why things work in other designs, but yeah, when you get to like our stage in your career, it's definitely time to start putting that kind of thing away and figuring Mm -hmm. out okay, like I know how these things work. I know the core, you know, principles and values. Like how do I use this in my own way, you know? And and also getting feedback from friends, you know, I always find that that's really helpful too. Just getting, you know, other ideas and inputs to really strengthen the idea. Yeah. And then sometimes completely ignoring what your friends say is also <laughs> valuable. Because I just realized- I like, Jen all the time. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs> I know. I'm like, why did you even ask me? But um <laughs> But sometimes you see people post things on Dribble that are so amazing and unique and out of the box and they have like not nearly as many likes as their other yeah. more popular familiar oh. work. And yet they continue to do it. And thank God they do because they're working towards something that's yeah. truly original. Yeah. The people that I admire the most, the people, the illustrators and designers that just continually drop my jaw are people with, they don't have a gargantuan following and they don't have yeah. like like rack up likes like it's some kind of fucking video game you know it's it's nothing like that and those people are so humble too and i'm continually messaging people on instagram just like you know just want you to know that like you're you're doing something different and there's not a lot out there like you and i freak them out i think (laughs) it's i think it's important for those people to know and i almost wonder like do they even know things like dribble and pinterest exist like are they just creating artwork from a cabin in the middle of nowhere and they're (laughs) you know, just in a vacuum. I don't know. I think they do, but I think they're, I think they're like ahead of their time. I think they're underappreciated because they're just, I don't know. They're more intuitive on like what's going to be next. They're like planting the seed that we'll all be chasing, you know, years from now. Right. Many times it takes almost a moment of like this jaded rebellion to get you to be able to go there because um, when you're in an industry like ours where you do have so much relies on cr- client approval or boss approval, you learn to like feed on that. And at some point you kind of just have to be like, gosh, you know, fuck it. Like, let's just, I just said I'm going to do this because I want to do it. And it's like I was watching eight days a week, uh, a Ron Howard documentary about the Beatles the other day. And, you know, the, the first leg of their career, it's just these kind of syrupy expected uh, hits, you know, which were still amazing. They were great. But really, it wasn't until after they had that whole fiasco because John Lennon said, we're more popular than Jesus is, you know, Um, when they started getting this huge backlash from all these um, American cities who were banning their their albums and stuff. That's when they were like, they didn't understand. They couldn't see why there was this uh, emotional reaction. They kind of realized like, 
maybe it's not so much about pleasing people as we thought, because this isn't working. Like we didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings, but we can't make this right. We just have to stop caring. And so they all kind of took this break to took this relax. And then they came back and made some of the most, you know, experimental, interesting music they had made up to that point, which is like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and all that. So sometimes you do have to get to the point where you're like, you know what? I don't really care. I mean, I care enough to make something good, but I don't care that much to please everybody. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully said. I think if we can all just use the Beatles as an example to create every day. We're all, we're <laughs> if we could just be like the Beatles, fine. it would be fine. Yeah, you know, just like be Paul McCartney. It's <laughs> oh easy. My gosh. Just stay alive. Easy life advice from Jen. His droopy, amazing <laughs> eyes. Ugh, I love them. Don't be Ringo. No one be Ringo. <laughs> it's crazy. When I was younger, Ringo was my favorite, and I think back and I just think how dumb I was. But. <laughs> No, you can be Ringo. That's fine. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, all right. Question. And, and Jen, I think you kind of like tapped on this a second ago, but say a, a client comes to you and they either already have an established brand or they have a style that they really want you guys to do. And they send you reference imagery or they send you somebody else's work and like, do like this, make something appear kind of like that. Now, <sighs> You know, it, it is, you know, you want to keep like a healthy client designer relationship. So typically you do those types of things, but what is your approach to it? Do you, uh, you know, supply an option B if you think that maybe another style would be better for them or do you usually do what they request? Yeah. Um, I actually like when people bring us inspiration. It gives me a really clear idea of what they do like. And then it's easier for me to tie my design decisions to something that was their idea, which it sounds crazy, but like I recently did all this branding for a brewery and they were just very worried about the whole process. They, it, this was kind of like their baby project, their passion project, and they were funneling a lot of their own money into it. And so every decision was just very, very drawn out and, and it took forever. And so I realized that if I started referencing these images that they already knew that they loved and saying like, the reason that we made these design decisions is because you like the fifties era style of design. And if you reference your inspiration photos, you'll see that, you know, fonts back then were very much like ABC. And then, you know, they, they kind of feel like they made the decision and it's easier for them to trust what I'm trying to steer them towards, but it's still, you know, something that's totally unique and just kind of a, I don't know, like a new interpretation of that style, you know? So, mm -hmm. I really like I really like having that to draw on. Otherwise, it's really hard for me sometimes to to understand what they mean. You know, like they use words that they think means one thing and I think means another. And I don't know. I find visuals to be really helpful, even if it's just like photos or something that doesn't have anything to do with you know an actual logo. At least I can get an idea of what their style and aesthetic is. Yeah, the only thing uh, that you then have to check that against is who's their target demographic and are they actually personally in line with what their target demographic should be in yeah. line with. And so that's when you kind of, um, at the beginning in the discovery phase, you're asking them, who's your ideal client? Who's your underrepresented client? Who are, who's a new client you're trying to go after with these designs? Okay, let's learn about them. Oh, actually, did you know they actually don't like these colors that you like? And they generally like these types of, you know, people this age group are drawn more of this style. So that's when you kind of stress test what they um, want. Um, and at that point, you learn if they are a business minded person or if they're 
more just emotional, sen- sensitively oriented. Yeah. And those are good red flags to judge. Gosh, we just stop this here. Are they not going to make smart decisions that are based on actual data? Or are they just going to make emotionally based decisions that have no meaning behind them? In which case getting a final approval on anything will be a nightmare, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I can definitely see like, how they, you know, if they come to you, even with just a simple photograph, something that doesn't really encompass the style, but really like sets the tone, you know, that's something, that's something to go off of. Um, But then it's like, you know, have you ever found yourself getting into a position where you do, like you guys do work and then a client comes to you and they reference that job that you did? Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. We've had people come and just say, Oh, just swap our name out. We want this logo. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. Are you insane? (laughs) That's how you know someone doesn't know anything about business. I actually did that with the design you guys made. Remember that? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Actually, that is true. That's hilarious. But it was only because it it. was an unchosen option that it would work. We should should give context to this, but maybe we won't. (laughs) No, I don't. What context? Let's just leave it there. Let's just leave it there and let people think what they will. Your minds wander. Everything that I've posted on Dribbble, Jen or Amy made it. That's pretty (laughs) much. Um, But I think taking, I think both of, okay, so you have the inspiration the client brings you and then they also reference your work. I'm looking on your site right now and just looking at some of the, the studies you guys have done. Good stuff. Um, I don't know if you want me to mention the name of the client, but they were a energy company and the branding is great and it's over here in left field. And as I'm scrolling down more and more of your work starts to ink into it, just kind of slowly take over. Mm-hmm. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Right. Totally. Yeah. And by the time I get to the end of it, there's a profile and icons that only you two could have made. And I'm interested to hear how you took what they brought you and then got that work into it, or if that's what it was the entire time. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an energy company. They're pretty much the commercial equivalent of Nest, helping people kind of uh, more efficiently manage their energy output. And um, luckily they came to us and just knew like, Hey, we're so behind. Like we know nothing about design. We just know we need to be cutting edge and exciting. And that's why we're hiring you. So luckily they conceded the fact that they, they wanted to be different. They wanted to be exciting. And so we started out, obviously a logo can't encapsulate everything and it shouldn't be, you know, something that's kind of just uh, a passing trend. So the logo, yeah, it does start out more classic, more timeless. And then it starts feeding down into these um, promo pages that explain their product. They're a little bit more that, you know, they're illustrated, they're, um, they're case studies. Go out on your porch real quick and just flip off that truck for me. And then come back and finish the, okay. Um, so yeah, luckily they gave us that, that right. And I think that uh, clients have to do that. I mean, you know, they hire plumbers and they say, do your thing and make it work. You know, they hire, um, you know, technicians to set up their cable and Wi-Fi, and they let them do their thing, but it's easy when it comes to, um, things that are a little bit more, gosh, yeah, they're, they're a little more subjective. Yeah. It's easier for them to kind of get in their own way. And of course, I said before, it's a negotiation and it's collaboration with the client. And there is a lot of that. But at some point, you also, if they have good reasoning for all the design decisions they've made, you have to kind of give them, you know, space to do what they do best and let, let their imagination uh, do something special. 
Otherwise, yeah, you just I end like up looking this. like every car commercial that all looks the same. Like, who's mm-hmm. going to make an exciting new car commercial that isn't the same bullshit, you know? Right, exactly. Like, I, I like this yeah. new, I don't know, trend in in just businesses and and just any kind of company. Like, people, they're realizing that it's not a bad thing to have a really unique voice and to stand out. And it, it's funny, like, I'll still talk to students at Portfolio Reviews who will say, oh, my teacher made me change this because she said it was like, you know, it was too specific of a style or like I have too much of my own style. And I just always think that's crazy. I think if you already know innately, you know, what you like to do and you have like a really clear, um, you know, aesthetic set out, like that's really hard for a lot of people to ever find. And if you have that and you know, you know, what you want to do and you have a really clear path, like follow that. Very few people have that. And I think that's a really good thing that sometimes, you know, people don't value. And, I, and I'm not sure why it's, it's good to stand out. It's good to do your own thing. Yeah. I'm not going to def- bash colleges or universities because I kind of work for one. I used to work for one. I have friends who are teachers, but that seems like one of the biggest problems and the biggest struggles I hear from students is just yeah. they're on this road. They're on the path. They're going the right direction. They they kind of figured out if you go on. Um, I met somebody at Crop last week who um, is 18 and is just their illustration I was like, I'm done. I quit. Here's my markers. Right? Here's my here's my journal. You can do way better stuff than I can. And it just infuriates me to hear that story you just told. When there's people who have been in the industry for 10, 15, 20 years who are writing books on how to find your own style. Here's exactly. this kid who's already got his and the teacher's just crushing it. It's yeah, really and nice. I hear it all the time. And they'll say, no, you have to be more broad so that you can get hired by an agency. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, maybe that works for some people. But if you already know that you're really great at this aesthetic and this style, and you want to get hired by a brand who also has that aesthetic and style, like run with it. You're only young once. Like now's your chance to really shoot for the stars, you know? Yeah. Well, and like if you told Nick Slater to try and do, you know, what Dan Petty does because he should be more broadly applicable, you're kind of ruining a specific type right. of designer, which is there's niche designers, there's specialized designers. And that's one type. And then there's people who can do a little bit of everything who are another type of great hire. You know, they each have their benefits. But I think people with their own aesthetic have a, a big upper hand, especially if they want to eventually be sought after freelancers um, or kind of just like, you know, companies of one because they have a way easier time of kind of uh, popularizing or almost like celebritizing their work and their, their personality as a, a persona, as a style that's inherently them. And um, it might not have as much longevity as like an agency model, but I mean, heck, you're going to die one day and who cares? <laughs> At least you'll have a really, really good run of it. You know, which one people. do you think you guys are? I think, I think we're a little style, multi-style. Yeah. Yeah. Like People we, always tell me that we have a very specific style, and I, I definitely think we lean towards certain jobs and clients, which is why we do. But in that same vein, we can do a lot of different kinds of projects and tailor it a little bit, you know, per per project, per, you know, I, I don't know. What do you think, Odds Jen? and sods, definitely. I think I'm not Jen. Odds and sods <laughs> definitely have their this own. This is Zach. Everyone, this is Zach speaking. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I mean, odds and sods. That's it. You know where that came from. Right. But then Pawn Shop Kings to Flu Season, back to Encycle. I know there's two of you, but still that broad. Yeah. I I think we're kind of playing the field with that. It's like we know that to get really, really great paying jobs, like we have to be able to do um, with our agency, that is. We want our agency to get to a level where we can eventually sell it. So we're trying with that to diversify and show that we actually can play with the corporate, you know, type styles. And then we aren't just 
this kind of fleeting, uh, you know, fun, flippin fun. Flippin group. Yeah. Like we can actually like hang and play the real game. But personally, we do leverage the fact that we do have these like distinct personalities and we, we can have a very distinct style. And that definitely plays well um, in certain arenas. And it's helped us get speaking gigs because we were very clearly celebrating uniqueness instead of trying to like fit in as like a suit tie, like ad exec, you know? Um, and at the beginning, we we couldn't get the jobs that we wanted because people didn't take us seriously. They thought we were just illustrators. And it's funny, I, I feel like I haven't done much illustrating recently because I do all these other things, but I still love illustration. But we wanted to get more of the branding jobs where you get to set the style instead of having someone tell you you have to adhere by these guidelines that someone else set that you don't really believe are the best solution. Like we get to say from day one, okay, this is how the system's going to work and everything's going to play together. And it's really cool getting to have that kind of say and creative, I don't know, freedom. And we wouldn't have been able to do that if we hadn't tried everything and known how to hire for those positions, even if we don't do them ourselves, you know? Yeah. And there's like two ways to go about getting those big jobs. If someone says, oh, well, you're not experienced enough and we don't trust you because you seem flippant and young and like these silly illustrators. So we started making the work that proved that we could do those types of things. And then we started kind of trying to build our personal personas through, you know, speaking engagements and writing a book and trying to just prove that we're expert on our own terms since other people wouldn't believe it on other people's terms. And so eventually we got enough notoriety. And I think this is where, you know, followers and uh, these numbers sometimes do help, even if it's just perceived notoriety. Even if it's just they, playing the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that doesn't, just because we have a certain amount of followers doesn't mean that we actually are talented, but it, it helps people who, are, who don't know us well and are kind of uh, hesitant about us to believe that we actually do belong in the game. And so we kind of just played that up until we got to the point where people took us seriously. So you actually did fake it till you make it. Oh, hell yeah. For real. <laughs> we tell you, people that all the time. Yeah, you kind of have to in this industry. Um, you do. I'm absolutely guilty of that. You know, when starting out, like I absolutely like emulated things that I thought were really cool and got hired for those things and then felt guilty after emulating those things. And <laughs> you know, kind of feed it into my own style, which is, you know, that can take a lifetime. You know, it can, it can take years. It can take a very long time to sort of have this particular thing that that only you're known for. And I feel like that's a lot easier in illustration. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you're able to, it's, it's standalone, whereas design is more of a system of things. It's kind of hard to, you know, have a particular style in, in that regard. But when you're doing illustrations, it's like, okay, what you see is what you get. And those things can right. apply to so many different environments, whether it be editorial or web, um, whatever. Um, so in fact, there are like few designer designers i can say like oh that person has a definite style when it comes to you know identity systems and, and brand design. right that's why i'm so impressed by dan cassaro and dan christopherson who are now going under a young jerks like i know immediately when i see one of their logos but it, they still manage to make it different every time you know mm -hmm. and i don't know how they do it but they're killing it but yeah generally it's really hard to do with you know branding or or even like web design right especially web or UI UX. I feel like that's very much people kind of rely on, okay, this is a system that works and we want to make sure that the user understands and feels comfortable. So it's harder to make, to mix it up and, and make a splash. Right. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, who is it? Uh, there's a designer that I saw, uh, can't think of the name, but they 
do the same like parallaxy type um, animations and like every web page they do. And I've seen, I was on some site the other day and I got on there and like, oh shit, this must be so-and-so's um, site. And like I did some searching and sure enough, it was. It was like the first what? time. That's cool. Yeah. Of course I have no name. So this is like so vague. Um, <laughs> so it's like the worst story ever. Yeah. We'll put them in show notes. Uh, I'm doing my research. Oh, I love show notes. Yeah, I'm so bad with names. It's horrible. I know. It's tough. You got to do name association. It doesn't make any sense, but just think of someone famous that has the name of the person that you meet and it works every time. Done. Like Zach, when I met you, it was Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. That's how I remembered your name. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just excited. Are, I are you a blonde to man? Jo- no, I no. just didn't want to get compared to Jonah Hill again. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that doesn't, no, it's got to be like name association. Yeah. And then, I, Daniel, I don't remember how I remembered your name. I just remember your last name was O'Hare and I just thought of bunnies. I don't know. It there worked. So, for some reason, it worked. <laughs> I'm always thinking went, of bunnies. That's how I remember my own name. Now I'm thinking of Harry Potter as a bunny. Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> Daniel <laughs> exactly. It yeah. sounds crazy, but you guys, try it at the next conference and it's like, it's nuts. This is good. I'm taking notes. I think I've taken more notes during this uh, recording than, than actually talking. It's a... Uh, these are good here. students. You would be good students. My <laughs> students, I love them, but they just sit there and kind of like stare at me and I just wonder if anything's getting in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the taste of being a parent. <laughs> yeah. But then they will send me an email and like it'll include something that I said and I'll just think, oh, good. This says That's also like being a parent. I'm like, you guys aren't listening to me. And then they'll repeat it the next day, which isn't always a good thing. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. They always pick up the stuff you don't want them to, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, my son the other day said, "Hey, Dad, did you know that we're hot shit?" I was like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's from a song we were listening to. I don't just regularly go around saying, "Check it I'm out, hot I'm hot shit." shit. Sure. Mm-hmm. If you did, it would be understandable. You I mean. don't, yeah. like walk that was another name for the. That. that was another name for the <laughs> podcast. Not Chipotle Quadova. No, when you come home from Chipotle, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> As you lay down. As you run to the bathroom (laughs) from your E. coli riddled burger burrito. (laughs) So Hutzba's never going to get a job with Chipotle. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we've made a lot of enemies this podcast. Yeah, it's best not to mention them again. Isn't that the whole point of a podcast to be controversial? It is. It's just to give people things to tweet the opposite opinion about. We're going to do really good at this podcasting. You guys, please don't at me. To anyone who's listening to this, please don't at me. Just don't mention what your Twitter handle is. But, I'll mention it in a But minute. we will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of our um, job. Um, all right, I have, I have one more sort of question. It's, it's not style-related, but more of timeline-related. So this might be a multi-part um, question. Um, so when embarking on a project do you usually are you the one who sets the timeline or is the client the one that sets the timeline and how closely is that adhered to meaning you're working up until the very last night of the day that you're supposed to submit the work or hey i get i got done with this job one week early um what does that usually look like um for you guys so we <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm trying to be so respectful because I usually talk over Jen the whole time. It's horrifying. <sighs> you got this one. Okay. Um, yeah. Normally, we always try to set the schedule and we try to book out jobs about two to three months in advance. So we make sure that everyone on the team has work and, you know, we're, we're on track to make our year end budget and goals for profits and that kind of thing. 
So we have a pretty set schedule and we try to keep everyone on track, but man, it never works. Like never. I don't know about you guys, but I'll be like, oh, this job will take about a month and a half and here's our schedule for everybody. And then it's like five months later, you know, and that's just life probably. It's just inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all busy and they're trying to run businesses while they're starting new businesses. And you know, it makes sense, but we do, we try to start a schedule. So at least we're all trying to stick to something and it gives you, you know, a starting place. And yeah, but I mean, a lot of times, yeah, I'm working up till like the very end of the day that I'd supposed to be turned in. And sometimes when things go good, you know, you're able to like turn in logo proofs like three days before they're expected, which is always really cool, but rarely happens for me. I mean, I'm always trying like options till like the day of, and then just asking Jen, you know, okay, like let's whittle this down to the two that we're not like the most proud of. And we wouldn't be afraid if they chose either one of these to move forward with. Yeah. That's going to be, that's just got to feel nice getting done with something a few days before it's, it's due. There's, there's this thing called Parkinson's law, which basically says, uh, work expands as to fill the amount of time allotted for its completion, which I think definitely applies to creatives. You know, it's like you, you have all these ideas and like you want to touch something up, whether it's just kerning a word and a headline or trying out different shades, the same color, like a hundred thousand different ways. Like you're going to work on that as much as you can until, until it's done. Yeah. That's why I'm a firm believer of giving yourself really short deadlines and not yeah. so short that you can't explore as much as is needed to get, you know, the right options. But like when we started Odds and Sods, it was literally like, you know, three days of just like, here's a logo, here's a, a, you know, a decent website and here's five, you know, designs that Jen and I both worked on and let's just see what works. You know, at some point you just have to get it out into the real world and see what people are connecting with and, and just like test if this idea has legs at all. Right. And that's a lot of branding, even with clients. It's just me encouraging them that like, yeah, we could work on this logo for five more months and get it to be exactly what your idea of perfect is, but what would be better is to get this logo out there and just kind of see how people are responding and then use the marketing and these other collateral pieces to really, you know, give us the voice and the messaging and, and fully round out what we want this brand to be. You know, I think people get really caught up on the logo having to be everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Like uh, being able to sort of test the brand and give the, te- uh, give the brand a little more legs with the collateral pieces and, and the marketing that, that goes along with it. Um, yeah, that's so much of it. And you know, like photography or video or any of that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that stuff can be way louder than just a logo and usually is. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. You can have so much more fun with it and it, it doesn't have to be such a forever scary thing, you know, cause they, they always say at the beginning, you know, like, Oh, I want this logo to last, you know, for 20, 30 years, but then they want to get it so specific. Like it has to say everything and it has to be fun and exciting and, and it's hard to explain to the client that if you want this to last forever, it kind of has to be a little bit dull. It has to be a bit of a blank slate and kind of like a cornerstone that we can then bounce off into a lot of different ideas as the times change and the context of society changes and that kind of thing. And as great as the branding is, the logo is, it doesn't mean anything until it's out there and there's some emotion, some experience yeah. connected to it. Like. United's logo is pretty good and it's garbage now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. No, exactly. Horizon's logo is not that great and I kind of like it. <laughs> it's like how Time Warner Cable just rebranded to be Spectrum and their ad, even their messaging cracks me up because it means nothing. They'll say, uh, Time Warner Cable is now Spectrum, which means that you're going to get the best service ever. 
Like, it's like, what, but what why? Did before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, why? Just because you changed your name? Literally, everything is the same. It's just the company has changed its name and put new logos everywhere. And it just cracks me up how even just doing that, you know, they they think they can trick everybody. But it's like, no, we all realize we're still getting super shitty service. <laughs> yeah, right. The biggest thing I think they're doing to kind of trick people and get it over on them is all the new voodoo practices. So ah. it's going really good for Time Warner. <laughs> But I mean, it is smart. Like everyone hated them so much. I mean, maybe it. That's really their only option. I'm yeah, surprised they even mentioned that gone. it used to be Time Warner Cable. I guess they just have to do that for existing customers. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Smokes. Well, um, Zach, do you have any other questions here? Um, Give us a hardball. Let's see. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. All Here's right. The person's name, if you got a name for it. Who's Who's it from? Are you uh, oh, this is uh, from Christine Lagrassa. Is that how you pronounce that? I don't Close know. Enough. I just butchered a name. It's fine. Yeah. Um, sorry, Christine. <laughs> not sorry. If you want us to pronounce it right. It's <laughs> 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 Now you guys are being dicks. <laughs> if she's not going to include a pronunciation guide, we're just going to get as close as we can. I feel like that's common practice nowadays. We kind of have to do that. Facebook has it now. Um, oh, that's right. so cool. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's... All right, there's a question. Um, okay, do you have a quote-unquote secret sauce that makes your illustrations or designs um, just, like, take them to the next level? Ooh. Ooh, and you, I don't know. I rely on you. You have that really detailed eye. Gosh, what is it? What would it be if I had to list something specific? Um... Somebody told me one time, and this is something I've been trying to do more recently, but they, they said, like, after you're done with a design, take one thing out. And I'm definitely a more is more person, so I always end up going overboard on everything, just with so much detail. And I found that that's been a really cool thing is just realizing that empty negative space, having a little bit of breathing room for the eye is just really good. So I've been trying to embrace that principle. Um, but gosh, what else other than that? Um, I think I just also, as much as you know, trying to follow that rule is good and everything. I've also just realized like my style is kind of my style and trying to change to adhere to, I don't know what, what's cool right now or what other people say is good design is just probably not the best for me. You know, like me trying to do like a minimal poster is just not great. I'm so I've just realized to just embrace my kind of more is more style. I don't know. Does that really answer the question? Jen? Yeah, How no, it here? definitely does. <laughs> I, I mean, the whole concept of like taking one thing away, uh, I like that. I haven't really, really thought about that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely relate to you as far as like the more is more. I kind of think I just oversaturate anything I do with like oh, as too. much detail and just <laughs> fluff and shit because it's fun. Like I find the most fun in doing that. And I see those like very Swiss minimalist posters or yeah, logos that exactly. are just masterpieces from three line strokes. I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? Oh my gosh, right? So I have no hard. idea. Right. Um, but that's a good one. Um, take one thing away. I like that. I like that. I think it's just you do you. <laughs> Jen, do you have one? Um, lately, I've been trying to think more about, in illustrations at least, lighting and shadows and like trying to get it right because <laughs> it's so freaking hard. But sometimes adding the slightest lighting and shadows, even if it's not like really, really intense, um, 
you know, even on a logo, sometimes you see people will add like where lines overlap, like they'll add a little bit of that shadow technique where they like, you know, mm. cut it's out like a little cutaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little cutaway. And those subtle things, even though they're like the standard user won't really know why, but it just adds a little bit more of like depth and texture to something that still remains minimal and clean and easy to apply and scale, but it just adds a little bit of special to it. So it's not just, I don't know. So one, flat. Yeah, so flat. Yeah. I, I see that a lot in like scripty logos um, or, yeah, like words. I don't know. You see like those inspirational images on Instagram <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> right. There's a, this clever name for them and I can't remember what, what it was called. Uh, someone was saying it on Twitter. It'll come. Oh, show notes. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but those are the things like those little like tiny shadows like maybe it's just where a little serif crosses over into its neighbor letter but those aren't things you really think about you're just like of course it's like that but it adds so much dimension um yeah that's a- it totally does yeah i can't use a font anymore without having to change like one thing just showing that there was some sort of intention customization and yes, it wasn't just and- a robot yeah <laughs> exactly like I, I not only did i kern it and space it and and all of that but you know i thought about how the letters played together and i you know it, it, it wasn't just like a i don't know one and done kind of thing a lot of blood sweat and tears went into it actual blood chicken's blood right Ooh, goat's yeah, blood. Goat's blood. <laughs> I'm a bat's blood guy. Ah, I think of rats now that you're in New York. Oh, I've only seen one rat since being here, which is a little disappointing. And I've he seen... was playing a guitar on the sidewalk. <laughs> That's every... It was busking. You kind of have to here. You kind of have to. Um, yeah, what are you going to pick up as your second job to afford living in Brooklyn? Uh, you know, I thought about delivering pizza, um, and then I remembered I don't like walking Anyway, people, uh, get a oh, pixie. Do you guys, do you guys <laughs> like everyone car? else? <laughs> no. We, well, we have we have Morgan's car. I sold my car when I moved up here, which was a painful process that inv- involves many man tears. Um, but yeah, we've got one car that we use once a month. Yeah, exactly. Like you never use it, huh? Yeah, Trader Joe's trips only. <laughs> And you weren't asking me, but I have a car because everything is 40 minutes away from me. Right? Everything. I remember the South. Yeah. It's so funny now. I think I get so complaining. I'm like, oh, it's so far away. I have to drive five minutes. And it's like, man, we lived in Kentucky. Everything was at least an hour, it felt like. Even Atlanta's 40 minutes away from me. And And you live in Atlanta. Yeah. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That makes sense. Oh, man. And Struggle is real. Really is. Really is. I just have to say, uh, train system here, definitely the best part. Definitely the best part. The fact that I can go from like my little apartment in Bushwick to the middle of Central Park in like 30 minutes. So, and only get accosted twice. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You only get to see one guy jacking off. I mean, totally. Uh, well, <laughs> that's, that's a conservative estimate. Um, oh my gosh. Usually three, at least three. LA but every insane. city has their oh thing. Gosh, I yeah. mean, every time I go to LA, I see a homeless penis, and I did not ask to see them. And <laughs> they just reveal they them just whip it out and start peeing like right in front of me. I'm like, all right, and no one else sees it because they're, they've lived there for so long that it's become naturalized to them. But every city has it. Like in, I heard in San Francisco, they have to clean those escalators, those public escalators, uh, once a week, or they'll stop running because there's so much fecal matter in this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. 
This is true. Somebody told me this. America, the land of dreams. This is and... the best podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> and someone told me that, like, you know, if you don't see one homeless person drop trowel in the middle of the street and just poop, like, you're not a true San Franciscoan. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, if you don't see one homeless person, three of them are watching you. That's probably true. Oh, man. But I think it's more sad that there's that many homeless people. I don't know. I feel like it's a bigger, sadder issue than just fecal matter in the escalator. Yeah. Yeah, it's upsetting. On that serious note. (laughs) I think that's a great way to look at life. Oh, you're sad you had to step in human feces? What was it like like to go to your house and take a shower and put on your other (laughs) shoes? One time I worked at this coffee store in um, college and one time we went out and we had a big homeless population because we were at the beach and it's just like sunny in California. So everybody just sleeps on the beach, which is kind of like the best way to be homeless. But anyway, we went out to the dumpsters to take the trash out and someone had used their sock as a toilet paper because they had to go number two (laughs) behind our dumpster. (laughs) And me and my coworker just felt so bad that he was out there with one sock, he or she, I should say. I mean, who hasn't done that, right? <laughs> right? Uh, you're not Science. getting any support from me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm like very Howard Hughesian. I get like really freaked out about public restrooms and germs. And like, I am just, I'll just hold it as long as I can until I can get home. <laughs> like, I like this goof we're doing and this thing we're going on. But I've become a germaphobe since I started having kids. And I'm no, starting seriously. to have a panic attack right now. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. We should. We should stop. I hate germs. I kind of want you to have a panic attack, Sarah. No, we were in New Orleans um, over the weekend after crop, which was awesome, by the way. It but not as awesome as when we were all in New Orleans. Exactly. It was, and um, <laughs> I went to. I used one of their public trash cans. I don't know if you've seen these things. They're like solar powered and stuff. And for the next fifteen minutes, all I did was try to find a bathroom or a hand sanitizer stand, just so I can get it off of my hand. But I couldn't focus on anything. Right, you're a germaphobe. You should have that pure already. I know. <laughs> you need like I'm one a, of those beer helmets so that dispenses purell into your hands. I'm a terrible hands. germaphobe. Oh. oh, that would be awesome. I know. Just I hate the the trash cans that have size. the little flap that you have to push to get the trash in. <laughs> Like, don't make why? me do that. Yeah, I, I just won't do it. I'll just leave it on top. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst, Aim. Gosh, I feel like You're no one's going to like us after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sure. Um, you know. What, did you guys have fun? What did you think? Oh, that's that was amazing. fun. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Creatoring is my new favorite podcast. Well, you can quote me. <laughs> that should be your tagline. That'll be your only testimonial on our website right now. <laughs> under duress, Jen Hood admitted that it was her favorite well, podcast. It's going to be under the headline that says this website may be harmful to your computer. Proceed <laughs> at your own risk, which is currently up there right now. Oh, man. That's good. I got to look this up. What do, so we, what do we want the sign-off question to be? Daniel, I mean, like when we when we get ready, you know. I feel like this is something we should have already had, um, but no, this is how we're going to do every episode. Okay, um, what's your favorite mythical creature? Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was so weird. Then oh. you have to go first. <laughs> Just can't do better than that. Jeez. 
Um, okay, I know what mine is. Dave Chappelle is those little pixie sh- shoulder pixies. <laughs> That's a mythical creature, right? Yeah. The ones like an angel and the ones a demon, and they're so hilarious. Uh, okay. Does that count? Definitely. Yeah. I think That's that was one. like in Roman lore, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Mine are the basket heads. Like oh, the, yeah. the gods from um, Big Trouble in Little China. That oh, kick ass. That's nice. Great one. Oh. Oh, love them. Love them. Had crushes on them for years. Wow. Okay. These are two <clears throat> totally unexpected mythical creatures. Uh, you know, Chimera would have been fine, but Nicholas <laughs> Cage would have also been. Yeah. You also would have accepted that. Have you guys watched that SNL skit with Keenan from Keenan and Kel? I've oh seen gosh, many so of good. those. Which one are you talking oh. about? He's he's like a game show host, and um, oh my gosh, it's just so funny. And I'm just gonna butcher it, so I'll just stop here. I, I think, I think I, he counts as mythical creature. Also, that man doesn't age. <laughs> that he is doesn't. True. Uh, what is the secret? What is his secret sauce? Is what I want to know. And don't good say marriage, good burger I sauce. Think. Uh, no, good <laughs> laughter. <laughs> laughter. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you guys for coming Bye-bye. on Creatoring. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. That was awesome. Where do you want people to find you on the internet? I just Google us. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool, 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 cool. Do your own legwork. No, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> just kidding. We're well, at- none of my handles are the same, so you just have to Google it and find it. We were young. But also, hoodspodesign.com is the website. Oddsandsods.co is our good sign. And go. other, and from there, you can find all the social medias. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brian Manley, by the way, BT <laughs> Dubs. Fun with Robots Design Co. Find that junk. That's not a. Oh, and band. we we have to. Okay, so <laughs> Motorhead, uh, Iron Maiden, yeah. Led Zeppelin, Cannibal Corpse, uh, and okay, there we go. We made it. Yeah. Ultra Dog. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. That's cool, cool, awesome. cool. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So thanks for having us. Bye. So that was the end of the podcast. That was the first episode of Creatoring. I think it went pretty well. I yeah, think I think so well. too. Um, yeah. I'm Zach. And I'm Daniel. I'm on Twitter at ZS Wilkinson and Dribble and everywhere else. I'm on all that stuff as Heresy. That is H-A-I-R-E-S-S-Y. Well, since I, I introduced the show... I think going forward, you can have the last word. I think that seems like a fair deal. So I'll go ahead and say bye. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for getting this far. And remember, remember to take one thing out.